You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave. You're thoroughly entertaining. Everybody likes to listen to you guys on the way to work. That's a chick show. Friday. This station will be conducting a test. I'll take any test you want. Tiger Woods plans to return next month. I hear you're looking for a caddy. Uber will continue to run in Quebec. It came down to a last-minute compromise. Canada is not going to invade California. Really? You think those hippies in Washington and Oregon can stop them? Showtime. Dave and Dave are live with the Sports Radio at WPHlive.tv. It is the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast, WPH Live Radio with Trish the Dish, episode number nine. We have a special interview with Simon Fitzgerald, guys, coming up. He's obviously our friend from Australia. He talks about the new R2 Sports mobile app, Australian Handball, and the upcoming Vegas event. Meanwhile, Trish will be dishing out the e-news. We'll try to throw in some celebrity birthdays if we have them. We'll give you the political and Hollywood news minute. And we will dish out some news of the weird as well. Before all of that starts, though, Fink, you have some sports. Thanks, Dave. Sean Lenning wins his eighth USHA three-wall national singles title in Toledo, then slams with Marco Chavez defeating Tyree Bastidas and his brother Jarrell in the final. Sean defeating Tyree in the finals of the singles and doubles. Sean saying afterwards he didn't expect to do well when being interviewed by Vern Roberts after the final, but won anyway. You know Sean's been on sort of that whirlwind tour, traveling the country, and yet still came in there with probably limited practice and won that title. Hillary Rush wins her first women's title, dominating the women's bracket, winning all three of her matches in straight sets. The Washington Athletic Club, very good friends to the WPH, hosts of the Players' Championship Race Freight 1 and Race Freight 2, championship will host the WPH pre-race kickoff for the second consecutive year this Saturday in Seattle featuring Sean Lenning, Armando Ortiz, Emmett Pichot, and Luis Cordova. We'll go into some more depth on that a little bit later in the show. WPH Outdoor number one Tanisha Grooms recently gave us a really cool and profound interview pre-Vegas talking about what motivates her, how she manages to come back in these incredible close matches, and of course she's won 13 of her 16 WPH Outdoor starts, so make sure you check that out. Who will add their name to the WPH three-wall ball list of pro champions? Sandy Ng, the only player to collect a pro title in every edition of the three-wall ball championships that started in 2010. We're coming up on our seventh edition. Sandy will aim to continue that streak. We'll discuss the possibilities and who's got the best shot towards the end of the hour. Get your entry in now. Reserve your hotel room at the Stratosphere. We expect those rooms to sell out by this time next week. The Simple Green U.S. Open kicks off the Race for Eight Six Tour. Simple Green U.S. Open, known as the Festival of Handball. Four-wall, three-wall, big-ball, one-wall, big-ball. Incredible event. Go to WPHlive.tv or for more info, contact us at info at WPHlive.tv. There is nothing they would like better than to beat this bunch and fly back to Carolina mm-hmm. 1-0. J.J. Jansen is the snapper. Andy Lee is the holder. And Gano from 50. And the kick is no good. Snap a little high. Lee able to get it down, but probably just enough mistiming. You heard our good friends Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth there calling that missed field goal from Carolina, trying to put an end to that 
Super Bowl hangover. It looked like they had a good shot at it, Dave. Colin Kaepernick takes that shot to the head, probably his third or fourth head-to-head collision of the game. They moved the chains. They had that 50-yard opportunity. You remember the practice kick that came just before that timeout was called by Denver was good off the right, upright, and then the second kick way left, hooked it badly. You heard Chris Collinsworth say on the telecast maybe he tried to overcompensate because he, the first one went right. He pulled the next one left. We golfers know what that's all about. I think that was exactly what happened. Yeah. And it, why is there such a big buzz right now about Cam Newton and the head injuries and not getting the calls from the He got every single one of those calls from the referee yesterday, but yet the announcers are just fixated on how punished he got uh, by the Denver defense when they were just going, I guess, tackling high, they call it. Well, it's a strange situation because normally you see those head-to-head helmet hits resulting in a 15-yard penalty and a first down, but this one was offset by Cam Newton intentionally grounding. My contention, Dave, was that he threw that ball so short because he saw that head-to-head hit coming and he was trying to pull back. Had he not had to pull back from that head-to-head hit, I think he throws that ball well beyond the, the line of scrimmage. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. Mm, that's a first. Colin Kaepernick's jersey sales have soared to number one since he started his national anthem protest, and now he's giving back. He said, quote, The only way I can repay you for the support is to return the favor by donating all the proceeds I received from my jersey sales back into the communities. Denver linebacker Brandon Marshall kneeled during the national anthem last night, joining Colin Kaepernick's protest. He was the only player not to stand last night, but there will likely be others this weekend. I mean, Dave, once you look at the the sales of these jerseys, do you think there's a a, a sense of some of these players saying, you know what, I'm going to also get on that bandwagon, that financial bandwagon? Well, what if all of these players decide, well, I'm going to do what Colin Kaepernick is doing and donate all the proceeds from my from my sales of my jerseys back into the communities? I have a feeling that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we know that the defending Super Bowl champs. Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, they've lost that game last night, but it's the Seattle Seahawks, who are former champions, who are planning uh, some sort of unity protest this weekend. We'll see what comes of that. I can't wait for that. Staying on NFL kickers, only two non-NFL non-kickers have played more than 300 NFL games. Jerry Rice played 303 games, Brett Favre playing 302. Eight kickers have also done it. Morton Anderson holding the record at 382 games. Not too many times do we have a segment all about kickers. Well, Peyton Manning dedicated one segment at the Pro Bowl to that idiot kicker. Oh, that's true. You remember that? (laughs) That was big news. That's good news. The biggest NFL rule change this year is you get the ball at the 25-yard line on a touchback instead of the 20. It's supposed to discourage kick returns, but some people think it'll backfire and cause more returns. It might. We'll see. But, Dave, if it's that big of a concern, why not just eliminate the kickoff? It can easily be done. They've been talking about doing it for years. They just haven't pulled the string on that. Trish, what do you think? Getting rid of something as big as a kickoff? That would be like, in baseball, getting rid of uh, an intentional walk, possibly. It's just part of the fabric of the sport. You almost do it just out of tradition. Yeah, you get I rid think of it? so, too. Yeah. If you don't want anybody to get hurt, why not just quit football altogether? Well, I think you're limiting the risk because the kickoff is the one play where you have literally 11 guys at full speed, or 22 guys, actually, running at each other, <laughs> as opposed to a, a normal play where you might have seven or eight guys on the line and a few more out there. In the... Yeah, but what about punt returns? That's just as bad. Well, I I think the whole special team should be limited in football. Just my opinion. I like to watch the offense and defense, but a lot of times these games do come down to special teams. How often do we see it? Last drive night. Down, right. Every game comes down to a kick, it seems like. 
I mean, I don't know what percent of these NFL games are decided by three points or less, but it's got to be about 30 or 40 percent. You're talking about kneeling down and getting in that position for that final kick in almost a third of the games, most likely. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I don't know what the how they're going to be able to fix that, but they do tweak the rules every single year. There's a whole list of rules that get changed all the time in all sports, basically. So, you know, eventually one day we'll get to a point where we're all sitting in chairs and we're playing the video games Madden style, and that'll but be our, our pro Maybe sport. the one rule they can fix is what's a catch and what's not, because I could have <laughs> That'll sworn, never be fixed, no, sorry. I could have sworn that catch that set up the 50-yard field goal was not a catch. He was bobbling that ball as he went down out of bounds, but seemed to be no argument. But yet we've seen that same call called a non-catch many times yeah i'm confused i finally thought i had it when i saw the replay and saw the bobble but it was a catch yeah. 50 yard attempt no good former redskins quarterback joe theisman is 67 today here's something that you might not know dave theisman changes the pronunciation of his name in college when he went to notre dame to theisman excuse me it was theisman changed it to theisman i'm so used to saying theisman but yeah. when he entered notre dame he was joe theisman changed it to Theisman because he was in the running for the Heisman Trophy, and one of the guys there at Notre Dame said, you should change your name to rhyme with the Heisman. So he did. He came in second, though, that year. That's totally crazy. Lost to Jim Plunkett. I know oh, you yeah. knew that. Raiders. You know, funny thing about Heisman, uh, Theisman, I, the way I remember it is <laughs> yeah. by thinking of Heisman. Mm. So every time you see somebody with, like, a massive leg break, mm-hmm. uh, something that you – your, your body is moving in a yeah. direction it shouldn't move. I always think, oh, what, what, who, which quarterback was that? Oh, it rhymes with Heisman. Theisman, yeah. there it is. Just the Washington so, Redskins. Had he not changed the pronunciation of his name, anytime you saw someone's leg break in eight places, you'd call it a Theisman, not a Theisman. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Carson Palmer doesn't seem to think Tom Brady was wrong by the NFL. He said, quote, you follow what the rule book says, and if they tell you not to do it and you get busted, then you suffer the consequences. Harsh words. I, but kind of true. Harsh, but maybe true. I mean, I, at least he's saying the truth. Yeah. I don't think he's picks sides. He just says they came down with the punishment, and that's it. I just don't know how much evidence they actually have that's not circumstantial. That's my only question here. There seems to be kind of a lot of hearsay and we think, and but I don't know how much was actually proven as far as what Brady did to the footballs and what he knew. Now, it seems common sense that, okay, he did deflate them or whatnot, but where's the evidence? This is a lot like... Uh, Trish, it's a lot like uh, Hillary Clinton's email scandal. It's yeah. gone on so long that I don't even remember what the original <laughs> argument was about. You know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, okay, she. Yeah, it's you, overdone. Yeah, she got rid of some emails. You know, she deleted some emails. But, you know, ultimately, wh- what, are, what, what did he get banned for again? I don't even remember what the original <laughs> thing was. And I don't even remember what she's in trouble for anymore. It's just, there's so many different twists to it. And it's kind of very similar to the Colin Kaepernick thing as well, where they, they're bringing up so many different subjects and sides to the story. I, I forget what the argument is. Sticking with Tom Brady, Dave, Tom Brady debuted a new haircut last week, and people are comparing it to Megan Kelly from Fox News, one of the new kids on the block, and one of Tim Allen's kids from Home Improvement, among other things. People on social media are saying that Tom Brady's new haircut makes him look like Fox News anchor woman Megan Kelly, hmm. which is interesting. So much so that he just got sexually harassed by Roger Ailes. Hmm. That's how bad that haircut is. Guns were reportedly found while cleaning out Roger Ailes' office at Fox News. They found some dildos, too. <laughs> you know, Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly. 
<laughs> Former New York Giants star Lawrence Taylor, Taylor is in trouble again. He was arrested for a DUI in Florida on Friday. The vehicle he was driving switched lanes, hit a motorhome, and sideswiped a cop car. When the officers asked him if he had anything to drink, Lawrence Taylor said, quote, apparently too much. He, he was driving a motorhome? No, he, he hit, hit a, one. Hit one, and then hit a cop car. Yeah, that's not a big, We call that foreplay at my trailer mm. park. Mm. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers released former fullback Bruce Miller after he was arrested for allegedly punching a 70-year-old man. He also assaulted another man. It started when Bruce drunkenly went to the wrong hotel room, apparently thinking it was his. The 70-year-old man had some broken bones, but there's no indication that he's seriously hurt beyond that. Now, Dave, having some broken bones in your face, I would consider that being seriously hurt. I, especially when you're 70. I heard that story and also the way that the, that the anchor person explained it, like it wasn't a big deal. Uh, that is a pretty big deal. 70 years old, yeah. you, you're not going to heal from that. No. That break. And there's other complications when you're 70 years old that, you you know, you don't factor in. Yeah. So when you break a 70-year-old man's bones of any sort. It's a major yeah, deal. Yeah, it's, well, it's bit a, big. It's only not a big deal when it's not your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, remember, this tight end earlier in the night, Dave, went to a sandwich place and got into a fight over some brisket sandwiches. I know you love brisket sandwiches, but <laughs> well, yeah. he could have bought his own. They were only $6.50 per sandwich, but he insisted on having the sandwich of these customers who did not put up a fight smartly. And then there's three hours of which he was unaccounted for. Then he goes to this hotel, tried to go into his room, went into the wrong room. That's what started the fight. He went into the room of this 70-year-old man's son. The son came out. The dad came out. The son tried to defend the dad. Both failed Uh, obviously yeah Yeah. a decent number of bettors picked the browns to win it all 750 people have bet the browns to win the super bowl at caesar's palace in las vegas with another 500 at cg technology odds on the bet range from 175 to 1 to 200 to 1 so 750 people total in in all of the world actually think that the cleveland browns are going to win the Super Bowl? Well, that's legally. You're, I mean, you're talking about legal betting at right, Caesar's Palace, but, but there's plenty of underground gambling that you know you have to factor that in to some extent. So Caesar's Palace just made 750 times how much money? Uh, blah blah blah. blah. What did you say? 750 people, 175 to one odds. It depends on how much they put down. Right. That. Right. I wonder what the minimum bet is there. Hmm. Wait, the Browns is they're good. That's the funny point. They're one of the worst franchises in the history of sports and just look no further than their former number one draft pick and train wreck, Johnny Manziel, who seemed to have come to the conclusion that he'll never play in the NFL. He's going back to college at Texas A&M where he was recently seen two-fisting it last night in a bar in Texas. He's a senior now working on his degree in recreation, parks, and tourism services. He isn't back on campus, though. He's just taking classes online from Los Angeles. Of course, he was back in the campus in some vicinity last night to party, but his classes will be online. After hearing that news, Princeton Review just named Texas A&M as the top party school for 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Serena Williams was upset for the second consecutive year at the U.S. Open last night, losing to Carolina Pliskova. Serena not only lost a chance to win her 23rd Grand Slam, but also lost the number one ranking, which she'd held for 186 straight weeks. Of course, 
Serena blamed it on a knee injury. Conspiracy theorists saying that why did she have to play a three-set match at night then come back the next day less than 24 hours later to play her next match. All sorts of conspiracies abound. This is kind of par for the course, but Serena is the greatest champion probably in our generation. Now, you're, that, that run that she was at number one, mm-hmm. she won, let me get this stat wrong, she won 19 majors and had 16 losses in the run of being number one. Sounds well, about she's right? had several runs at number one. She had this 186 weeks, but before that she was injured. She was number one before that first period of time. This was consecutive weeks at number one. She relinquished that when she had that foot injury that was kind of mysterious. It was just a stat I saw on ESPN. I believe mm. what they're saying is for all of the the times that she – her losses are less than her major wins. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah. so like 19 losses right. and 23 major wins. That's pretty amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. That might be the most dominating right. – Amazing stat I think I've ever heard mm. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. She only even she only plays in the uh, Grand Slams too. And well, ma- and two other major. Yeah. In the last couple of seasons, she's pretty much just focused on the four slams and maybe picked up two or three other tournaments. So for her to be number one, she has to do what you're saying, Dave. She has to win half the slams yeah, to stay at number one. This year, she won one. She lost in the finals of another and semifinals here at the U.S. Open. I think she's like on a two or three. Tournament losing streak, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. She well, she, no, she won the Wimbledon. Well, this year's her. Uh, yeah, she doesn't care about the Olympics. Sorry, I, I'm sorry to have to throw that That's out. There. I, 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 I know you're offended, Dave. You're, I am totally. I, I, I can see it. I'm gonna see what Colin Kaepernick has to say about that. <laughs> Carolina Pliskova, Dave, two rounds earlier in the fourth round on Labor Day, held, saved a match point against Serena's sister Venus. She could have been out of the tournament right there. She was one point from being eliminated. You have to think Serena's going to beat Venus if they match up. She's had the best of that matchup in the last few years. So kind of unlucky for Serena to draw Pliskova, who could have very well been out of the tournament. That's just how sports works, though. Yeah, that's true. Phil Collins played his mini comeback set at the U.S. Open on opening night, and he looked and sounded great. Dave, I know you're a big fan. Love him. Yeah, I heard that he he sounded good. I didn't get to see it, though. I I know you watch U.S. Mm -hmm. Open with the volume down, so you saw his lips move. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Mets have signed Tim Tebow to a minor league deal. He'll get $100,000 in signing bonus, but will only be on one of the bottom rungs of the minor league system. And he'll get days off to continue analyzing college football on TV. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think he's going to play very long. I don't think it's going to go very far for him. I mean, the minor leagues are really tough. They're going to have to make way for a... A roster spot for him, which means probably getting rid of one of their pitchers. You know, at first I was very, very optimistic for Tim Tebow because I, I really do want him to succeed here. But the more I think about the way Major League Baseball works, you have to be a grinder. You have to you have to go out there and want to really put in the hard hours, travel from one town to the next. It's it's really, really difficult to do. He's going to have to go out of his comfort zone. And I think he has a pretty good lifestyle. I think it's going to get really, really dirty. Are you going to go as far to say this is a publicity grab for Tim Tebow? I I think so. It seems obvious that you know he had that other uh, that first offer. Now he goes with the Mets. They're probably the the second most recognized team because of where they're located. I mean, number one would his number one choice would be New York. If he really did care about playing baseball, he would have taken that Atlanta yeah. Braves offer. That's putting him in the southeast. Uh, he would have been in a fan base down there. He would have had a better development program through the Braves. But now that he goes into the New York Mets, it just 
it seems that that is more of a publicity stunt. So over under on his time in the minor leagues, one year. One, I would put it as one season. Okay. One season only. New York Mets just signed Tim Tebow, what is it, two days ago to a minor league contract. The move is reportedly part of the Mets' brilliant new plan to instantly become terrible. Mm. <laughs> They're actually playing good ball. Right. But now, I think really what it's doing is it's going to be jersey sales. He'll yeah. he'll have probably the number one jersey. And I heard the Mets were making them pronto, like going to be out today or right. tomorrow. Which, to me, seems so it's like a that's double, also a ploy. But look at this. Double pub grab. Here's the, here's the third pub grab. They oh, came okay. out with the news on the opening day of football. Mm-hmm. They could have waited any other day. They could have waited the day before. They could have done it the day before, which would have been probably prime if they really wanted to make a new. But they wanted to go get those crossover splash fans from NFL. And they announced it at just after the NFL was starting their insider look at the, the matchup that took place last night between the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. So I think that was all also very well planned out from their marketing department. That wasn't a coincidence. No, I didn't think so. Do you so. think he has that many fans? He's He has enough fans, more so than in any other uh, free agent that they signed to a, a rookie league contract. I don't know if what you'd call Tebow followers fans. He's just so polarizing that you can't help but follow him and watch him and I, I saw be interested in what he's would doing. Would you want to buy a, a baseball jersey? People will do it just because. They, they'll, they'll oh, buy because it. it's different. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's a new thing. It's like getting the, the iPhone. The you crossover know? effect. Yeah, it's just mm. another piece of clothing, but it actually says Tebow on it. Yeah, I and it has a it, It's a Mets jersey. I don't know what number he's going to pick, but it will definitely be, I, I think it'll be probably a number one selling jersey just based off the fact that Tim Tebow is, whether you like it or not, one of the most popular people in the world. Mm. You know, he in the he's in the top fifty most recognized names in the world. Mm. So. Tiger Woods targets three events, starting with the Safeway Open in October. If Tiger does make his first start of the season at the Safeway in Napa Valley, it will have been more than four hundred and fifty days since his last tournament start in North Carolina in August of two thousand fifteen. You remember, Dave, that start. In North Carolina, just about 400 days ago, Tiger Woods had a chance to win that one on the back nine, made a couple of real ugly bogeys. His chipping yips kind of reappeared, but he says that if all goes well, he's going to play in Napa Valley, then in Turkey in November, then in December at his own tournament, the Hero Challenge in the Bahamas. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. I like when Tiger's winning. I think it's good for golf. It's exciting when he's there. There's yeah, no... it's been a long time. Yeah. Johnny Miller, Dave, the, the Hall of Famer and now broadcaster for NBC, owns that course at Silverado in Napa Valley. says it's a very good course for Tiger because you don't have to hit a lot of drivers. Tiger is very good with his irons, according to Johnny Miller. Hmm. And if Tiger can just avoid taking that big lash with the driver where he hits it left and right, he may find himself in contention if he's healthy. Hard to say. Kobe Bryant congratulated his former nemesis, frenemy Shaq, on making the Hall of Fame and called him quote, the most dominant big man of all time. Oh, that was a nice comment. Finally, somebody said something nice about Shaq. Seems like he's getting bashed by a lot of the other sports hmm. announcers, the analysts. I know one of your favorite morning show sports teams, Lebertard oh, yeah. and Stu Gotts, <laughs> have been just bashing Shaq. Why? Just yeah. saying that he, you know, he could have probably deserved more rings and didn't get them. What's he have, five? I think four, maybe. Well, four rings is a lot. <laughs> Pat Riley said that Shaq was more important to the Heat than LeBron. And Pat Riley is one of the greatest minds in the history of basketball. No, I you agree. Have to take his, He's the most his dominating role. player I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't Wait, know. More what... dominant than LeBron, who took a whole team 
to the championship. I mean, LeBron's dominant. I mean, yeah, but, he went from Miami. But to I'm talking Cleveland. about a, a single player where you throw a ball down low. I think of Hakeem Olajuwon, and I think of of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, but, you know, good. with Shaq, you just see a man amongst boys. No one's ever been that powerful that I've ever seen. Maybe Wilt Chamberlain, but as far I think when I think of dominant, I think of just power with Shaq. I mean, LeBron's dominant in a different way. He can control the game on both sides of the both ends of the floor, offense, defense, passing, shooting, rebounding. But Shaq just is so strong. He's double and triple teamed and still scoring 30 or 35 points a game. Yeah, I think when you say the... He's the most dominant player. I think you have to take that term literally, yeah. as opposed to yeah. saying, "Well, he dominated a game." Right. I, I talk right. about He's he not dominates like... the the play. Yeah. yeah, the play that is happening right now. That when you throw the ball down low, he's dominating that play. Now this is a big if, but if Shaq could have shot even sixty five or seventy percent from the foul line, he probably would have scored fifty points a game. They wouldn't have been able to hack him all game because they would have known he could have gone up there and made some free throws. There would have been no stopping him. Yeah, yeah. that's hack the only Shaq. problem. Is he wasn't a well rounded player. Not in that sense. He was a yeah. pretty good defensive player, but you know when he was younger, remember he would he'd love to take the ball up yeah. the court like a point guard because that's kind of the way he played in high school. He was thin and he could kind of fly. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he, he had some leaping ability when he was younger. And I think Shaq just said recently that he only played about thirty percent of what he could play. Shaq, known as the Big Aristotle, of course, he's got a lot of postgraduate degrees, Dave. Law enforcement, yeah. other types of business, graduate degrees, and I think he's even thinking about going to law school now. He's smart. Not- he was also a rapper. <laughs> yeah. A good one. <laughs> Movie star. <laughs> Movie star. He did it all. The big Aristotle imitating Allen Iverson yesterday at the Hall of Fame induction when Allen Iverson showed up 90 minutes late to a two-hour gig. Said that he had some family issues, didn't really want to elaborate, but Shaq, of course, lightening the mood like only the big Aristotle can. USA Swimming has suspended Ryan Lochte for 10 months. I bet you just hate reading that. I, I know no that comment. You're, yeah, I know you made love my, Ryan Lochte. made my stance about Mr. Lochte. That will, although it's only 10 months, will keep him out of the 2018 World Championships. 17. 2017 World Championships because he won't be able to compete in the USA Swimming Nationals, which is the qualifier to get into those World Championships, which then could keep him out of the 2020 Olympics. Yes. So this 10-month suspension really could be a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, And just imagine possibly. the endorsements falling through and the fact that he had to forego his uh, bonus from the gold in the Rio game. He had to forfeit that bonus money too. Right. So that's, yeah, it's costing mm-hmm. him a lot for that I, one I, little moment of flawed judgment. And I, I read that there were three organizations. I don't have their names right now, but not just the Olympic Committee, but World's swimming ioc the u.s, the US swim, there's three different organizations that have all banned him and now all very know, credible organizations right yeah <laughs> ran by just incredible people yeah uh, he's also not allowed to visit the white house with the rest of the olympic right team members with team usa you know evidently the white house uh, they only welcome liars who are actually elected mm. so yeah i guess he's going to be left off but then when they asked him what he plans to do for the next 10 months are you going to swim going to get in the water you know he basically said that he's going to go do what he always does which is you know trying to find john benet ramsey's killer defeating (laughs) isis flying to jupiter on his homemade rocket you know the stuff that he normally does well whatever he's doing he's always going somewhere every time they interview him he's in a different airport where's this guy going all the time every day he's you know coming to lax or he's in a different place he's now he's dancing with the stars 
Yeah, he's pretty oh, active. Oh, is he doing Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. That's Come a big on. gig. <laughs> I'll be watching for the first time. I will, too. Simon Fitzgerald, we have an interview with him coming up a little later on from Australia. He's our good buddy. But before we do all of that, we have Trish the Dish with some e-news update info, Trish. Thanks, Dave. Rosie O'Donnell's daughter is in the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. There are rumors she suffered a drug overdose. Amber Heard has dropped her defamation lawsuit against Johnny Depp's buddy, Doug Stanhope. Doug wrote an article claiming Amber was lying about Johnny abusing her. That's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson are doing a follow-up to their Western Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. It's called Shanghai Dawn, and it'll be directed by a guy who did Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Brings the question, Dave, the greatest comedy team currently in the business right now. You have to say Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson are at the top of that list. They're on my top. I love those guys together. Yeah. I do. I mean, and you said earlier you hadn't watched their. Right. Their, I still haven't. I, no. I just can't believe it. I know. It. I can't either. Great. I have something to do this weekend. It's, I mean, it's the the polarity between the two is, is amazing. I also like. Um, I mean, since we're on the Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller together yeah. are, are quite funny as Owen well. Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Owen Wilson comprises one half of a lot of the best teams out there yeah. right now. But I'll say Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, Dave, love those two together. Really funny. Oh yeah, I do too. Just watched uh, Daddy's Home, mm-hmm. and that was so funny. What about Mark Wahlberg and Ted? I love Ted. <laughs> <laughs> love Ted. Isn't that great? Yeah, I, mean, I love it. The oh greatest. I can, Ted's one of those movies you can watch over and over that again. That was the most ridiculous movie I ever watched. Oh, it's just amazing. What, what that other, was your favorite movie. I'm trying to think of you know some of these other you know comedy duos. Well, that if we you go see, back like, in time a little bit, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, amazing spies like us. Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, Three Amigos, I think one of my favorites. Yeah, but it's pretty good. We watched it the other night. Gene Wilder and um, and Richard Pryor. Yeah. Stir wow. crazy. Wow. What? I don't know why, but I weren't I wasn't I'm not a big fan. Of? Gene Wilder. Really? And Richard Pryor. Yeah. That comedy's some that, of the greatest of all time. I know. I, I'm almost afraid to say it <laughs> out loud. Ronnie Dangerfield just by himself. I mean, right? Yeah, that's a good comedy duo. It's Him and his uh, split personality. Ronnie Dangerfield and Sam Kinison, they only had that one movie scene together, but it was one of the one of the best. I'm trying to think of other buddy films out there, but you know, a lot of it is right now it's like Seth Rogen and right. Jonah Hill. You know, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum funny together. Becoming How about Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart? Oh, that was good. a good one. Yeah, that's a one offer though. Very funny. Yeah. You know, you I kinda... can see them doing more. So things. it's a two minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like the aspect because he was small, the other one was big, and yeah. it was just like a really great, you know, combination. Dean Martin and Jerry Lee Lewis, or excuse me, Jerry Lewis, <laughs> not Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great balls of fire. It was yeah, Dean Martin uh, sang his crooning songs while Jerry Lee Lewis played the piano. Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Okay, too far. Oh, okay. Sorry. What else do we have? What else do we have on our news? Oh, uh, Brie Larson posted a throwback picture of herself petting a dolphin, and Twitter got mad at her for supporting the practice of keeping dolphins in captivity. She, of course, apologized. Shia LaBeouf stopped drinking almost a year ago, and he's working his way back. He said, quote, that crap almost f up my life. It's not for me. He doesn't call himself an addict, but he does go to AA meetings daily. As, as long as he, you know, he doesn't earn his way back into the Indiana Jones franchise, he can do whatever he wants. 
had a rough run there, Mr. LaBeouf, for the last couple of years. He's been kind of laying low, I guess. Now we know why, for the last year. Pretty talented actor, though, right, Dave? I mean, right, young. He's in some huge blockbuster yeah. movies. Yeah. Like Transformers. Yeah. And he was a, a kid actor. So he's making money, big time money. And spending it at the bar. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, Chevy Chase has entered rehab for what his rep calls a tune-up. There's no info beyond that. Chevy went to the Betty Ford Clinic back in 1986 for a painkiller addiction. Who hasn't? Kind of, a, kind of a sad thing, though, for me. Chevy Chase is one of my favorites growing up and just don't like to see him having any sorts of problems like that. He's had this problem for a long time. Yeah. Oh, really? You know, Chevy's another years. one of those guys, you know, part of these great comedy movies. Really brilliant. Lindsay Lohan sent a pretty clear message to her ex. She posted a sexy lingerie pic along with the caption, maybe I go back to blonde, question. Uh, hashtag no boyfriend, hashtag still need, I'm sorry. Hashtag Timothy Gonzalez. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of Lindsay, a judge just dismissed her lawsuit against the makers of Grand Theft Auto. She claimed that they based the character on her without her permission. Well, what is it, like a train wreck character? Some you, That show is about, I mean, excuse me, that video game is about uh, drug dealers and prostitutes. Yeah, so, that's what, what character are you talking about? Maybe one of the prostitutes. Yeah. I mean, is she that desperate for money? I guess she I is. Think she, is. Yeah. she hasn't Clearly had a movie in a long but ever. Does she get paid though for these paparazzi shots? And no, I don't no, think she's in the not... paparazzi she only, shots anymore. She only gets money off of lawsuits. Oh, Plus, okay. she's getting she's, older. She's earning her living, <laughs> but the she right loses way. a lot too. So that's those are lawyer fees that you're not getting back on true. losses. That's true. Pamela Anderson co-wrote an editorial in the Wall Street Journal about the dangers of porn, telling people to stop watching porn because it's for losers who are, quote, too lazy to reap the ample rewards of healthy sexuality. The biggest danger? Porn could lead to really untalented people becoming famous actresses. <laughs> well, actually, I kind of agree with Pamela Anderson on that. Really? Yeah, because there are... I kind are, of agree with there, me on that. No, there's some real uh, life um, relationships that I've heard of that had been destroyed by addiction to porn you know where relationships don't even start up because of sexual dysfunctions between even young couples i mean this couple that i knew were in their 20s and he was addicted to porn and to the point where they had no sexual relationship and yeah they, it's i've heard it maybe multiple of times you know, porn is a lot like drugs. I don't think anyone's ever said my life was really going badly before I started doing drugs or porn or watching porn, and then it became great. I don't think it's ever gone that way, but it's gone the reverse pretty much 100% of the time. Uh-huh. Former NWA manager Jerry Heller died on Friday. He was 75. He was involved in a car accident shortly before his death. TMZ says Jerry had some kind of medical emergency and that probably caused the crash. It's, a, it's unclear if he died from the medical emer emergency, the collision, or both. Billboard says it was a heart attack. He's, he's the guy Paul Giamatti played in Straight Outta Compton, but Heller wasn't happy with how he came across on the screen. So he still had a $110 million lawsuit against the producers at the time of his death. His rep saying, Dave, that that's what caused his deteriorating health these last couple of years. He was only 75, which is still relatively young to be having these kind of problems, and said that this movie just destroyed him. He built up, you know, NWA and Ice Cube, and then they sort of turned on him. And then Ice on the Cake was making this movie that just shamed him. So kind of died of a broken heart almost in a way.
Well, yeah, you can definitely Pun get... not intended at all. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Schumer booted a heckler from a stand-up gig in Sweden because he yelled, Show us your boobs! She tried to give him a second chance, but he yelled again, so she had security show him the door. Tom Hiddleston and mm. Taylor Swift broke up after about three months, allegedly because he was milking the relationship for publicity. A source says, quote, Tom wanted the relationship to be more public than she wrote she was comfortable with. Sources say that the breakup was was not very nasty, but I'll tell you the song that she writes will be. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She always she, writes oh. songs about her relationship. She's really into her career when she starts just dating multiple people for her her songbook, her right. portfolio. Uh, do do you think she does that for like I, motivation it, for her songs maybe to get that next album out with a public like public breakup or, you know, public romance? If I'm she ever wondering. truly fell in love, that might be the end of her career. What would she sing about? Yeah, that's true. Songs are <laughs> Something about happy that she doesn't hate? <laughs> Something she doesn't hate for once, maybe? Money? Yeah, the sun rising. Maybe she can sing money song. You know, the bad thing about that, though, Trish, is that she's really looking for a word that rhymes with Avengers. <laughs> Not easy to do. <laughs> She'll come up with something. I'm okay. confident. According to a Rolling Stone Reader's poll, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance is the best music video of the millennium. It's followed by Beyonce's Single Ladies, Johnny Cash's Hurt, Taylor Swift's Bad Blood, and Fell in Love with a Girl by the White Stripes. A little bit of everything in there for all types of um, fans of music. Dave, I know that you have to be happy about Johnny Cash's Hurt being included there. Yeah, it's a good song. Hmm. Johnny deserved it. It's unfortunate for him, though. It happened way late and right about the time that he passed away. But yeah, I agree. he deserved that award that he received for that song about 30 or 40 years earlier than that. Mel Gibson is working on a follow-up to The Passion of the Christ. It'll be called The Resurrection. There aren't any actual plans yet for getting things rolling. Mel Gibson is baffled by all the blockbuster superhero movies with their 200 million budgets. He even called Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, quote, a piece of crap. <laughs> I think a lot of people say the same about Mel Gibson. That's referring true. to the, the yeah. crap, that is. Chris Brown was arrested after a nine-hour standoff with police last Tuesday. A woman claimed he threatened her with a gun at his house. He was charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Obviously, he claims he's innocent. I heard this gave him nine punches on his frequent <laughs> bail-out-of-jail card that he holds with him. He is just a bad dude. And that wraps up the E! News update with Trish the Dish dishing it out. We have more stuff a little later on there. Dave, Simon Fitzgerald just phoned in mm. Australia time. It's crazy. It's already tomorrow there. Right. And it's quite early. And so we're going to get on and, and talk to him in just a bit. I know he's going to run down the R2 Sports app. We're also going to talk a little bit about Vegas. He's coming to Vegas. Oh, cool. And that's coming up next. You stick around. It's the Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast here on TuneIn Radio, streaming at WPHlive.tv. You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave from in show interviews, the latest gossip, and upcoming schedule of events. Check us out at WPHlive.tv. Whether it's live filming, the Race for Eight professional tour, junior handball, development, coaching, and mentoring, or event planning, the World Players of Handball has you covered. The WPH Live TV crew is sinking the time, effort, and energy into growing the game of handball on a grassroots level with a focus on mass media attention. Junior WPH is flourishing as the WPH has a full-time development director and coach on staff, plus a department of instructors that will train, 
mentor, teach, and introduce handball to over 5,000 new recruits and junior athletes before the year's end. Thank you for assisting the group that sees a very bright future for the game of handball. Without your donations and membership support, the WPH would not be where they are today. Please encourage others in your area to support, donate, volunteer, and give. Visit the WPH website at WPHlive.tv or go to the handballstore.com to purchase your player's card membership. We are back with the Dave and Dave Handball Sportscast on WPH Live Radio. Interview with Australia's reigning handball czar Simon Fitzgerald in just a few, but first, it's the Hollywood and Political News Minute. Gretchen Carlson settled her sexual harassment lawsuit against Fox News for $20 million. None of this is coming from Roger Ailes, the former news boss she accused of sexual harassment. Meanwhile, Greta Van Sesteren quit Fox yesterday. She didn't say why. Which is the only context you'll ever hear Greta Van Sesteren and the word Fox in the same sentence. (laughs) He will be missed. Jason Alexander will star on an episode of The Simpsons that mocks Donald Trump by having Mr. Burns start a Burns University. After saying just last week that no illegal immigrants will be granted pathway to citizenship without first leaving the country, Donald Trump is now refusing to rule that out. Donald's spokesman couldn't be reached for comment. He was too busy sticking his head in the oven. Donald has changed his position so many times on so many things, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and admits that his hair is not real. Donald Trump continues his outreach to black voters. This weekend, he campaigned nowhere near a Coldplay concert. Trump spoke for an all-black church in Detroit over the weekend. Trump received a standing ovation as he was leaving because he was leaving. Bon Jovi and Jimmy Buffett joined Paul McCartney for Hey Jude at a Hillary Clinton fundraiser last Tuesday night. Hillary Clinton's lead over Donald Trump is shrinking. The only area she still leads over Trump by a warm margin is cankle thickness. FBI just released the report on the Hillary Clinton email server investigation, and Hillary plans to delete that report tomorrow. (laughs) Donald Trump met with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto last week. It was a shrewd move. After a few minutes around Trump, Mexican officials agreed that, yeah, we will definitely pay for the wall to keep him from ever coming back. They actually agreed on one issue. They both love Taco Tuesday. Donald Trump said Mexicans in the U.S. are beyond reproach and spectacular, spectacular and hardworking people. More evidence that his new speechwriter is Ryan Lochte. In response to Donald Trump's immigration speech, at least 15 members of his campaign's Hispanic advisory board are now resigning. The news was a real shock to Trump because he had no idea his campaign had a Hispanic advisory board. (laughs) Scientists have named a new species of fish after President Obama. The scientists were inspired to come up with the name when they noticed that the fish didn't seem to do very much of anything. Sean Diddy Combs thinks black voters got a little bit shortchanged by Barack Obama's presidency, which means they're just like the people who bought Diddy's last album. (laughs) And did you catch it? Ann Coulter, the American conservative social and political commentator, writer, syndicated columnist, and lawyer who frequently appears on TV and radio well she made a frequent appearance outside of her realm when she was on the rob low roast the other night on comedy central horrible jokes that she was telling one of the writers said quote we wrote her a lot of jokes she does not understand humor or joy she turned them all down 
It became obvious that Ann Coulter attended the roast so she could promote her new book about Donald Trump, and the comedians absolutely buried her. Even for a roast, it was hard to believe. In order, this is Pete Davidson, Rob Riggle, Jimmy Carr, Peyton Manning, Nikki Glaser, and Jeff Ross. After Peyton's joke about Kentucky Derby, you can hear Ann say, they're not laughing. And Ann Coulter is here, everybody. Ann Coulter, if you're here, who's scaring the crows away from our crops? You know, last year we had Martha Stewart, who sells sheets, and now we have Ann Coulter, who cuts eye holes in them. <laughs> Ann Coulter is here, which can mean only one thing. Someone must have said her name three times. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! Ann Coulter is one of the most repugnant, hateful, hatchet-faced <laughs> alive. But, but it's not too late to change, Ann. You could kill yourself. Ann Coulter looks so much like a truck stop transvestite whore that I saw Jeff Ross run to an ATM just before the show. I just realized that I am not the only athlete up here tonight. As you all know, earlier this year, Ann Coulter won the Kentucky Derby. The only person you will ever make happy is the Mexican who digs your grave. And against gay marriage. What's your thinking on that? If I can't get a husband, they shouldn't either? Back to some more political news. Hillary Clinton had a coughing fit and blames it on an allergy to Donald Trump. This is true. This is real. Hillary Clinton had another one of those famous coughing fits at a rally in Cleveland yesterday. Here is the actual clip. <coughs> Every time I think about Trump, I get allergic. Let me say that we're here in part because we know how important this election is to Ohio. Ben Carson took Donald Trump to visit his childhood home the other day, and he did an interview with CNN in the front yard. Somehow he must have forgotten that he was on live TV because he walked away right in the middle to go find his luggage. Every aspect has to be great, including our inner cities. And, and we just saw Mr. Trump here. I asked him, how did it go? And he said, great. And he said he learned a lot of things. What do you think he took oh, away from, from my, today? My luggage. Um... Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Looks like Dr. Carson is going to try and find his luggage, and he'll be right back with us. Um, but this is this is where we are right here. We're right in front of the home of Dr. Ben Carson, and this is where he grew up, actually. And he just brought uh, Mr. Trump here. Trump came here for just a few minutes. Uh, he walked over here, spoke with this woman uh, down down here in the driveway, uh -huh. who is actually the owner now of Mr. Carson's home. Uh -huh. And he's actually back with us again. <laughs> so we're going to continue. Oh, good. That means you luggage found. Luggage. Is it all okay? Uh, taken You're taking of. care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so so tell us um, a guy in Indiana kept getting his Trump campaign signs stolen out of his yard. So he booby trapped them with fishing line. A woman tried to steal them and then she got caught on camera falling right on her face. His name is Philip. He didn't give his last name. She loses her footing and lost her grip and she went flying. Whether it's a uh, Hillary, Bernie or Trump sign, it's not yours. It don't belong to you. You, you might disagree with whatever the politics are, but it's not yours. Leave it alone. And that is the Hollywood and Political News Minute. My name is Dave Vincent. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Sportscast on WPH Live Radio with that Simon Fitzgerald interview coming up next. Bored on a summer day. 
TuneIn Radio has another edition of the Dave and Dave RadioCast. Check us out at WPHLive.tv. The WPH $200,000 Race for Eight Professional Handball Tour is back. Top handball players, qualifiers, senior 40-plus men, and women's elite will participate alongside amateurs, age division, juniors, and skill-level players at multiple stops beginning in October of 2016, running through April of 17. From the simple green U.S. Open of handball through Salt Lake City's Players' Championship, the WPH Live TV film crew will be airing matches on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app with hopes you come out and play or help promote this amazing game by sharing each event's broadcast schedule. To gather the full schedule, go to www.wphlive.tv and use your tabs. Select Elite Handball and then click the schedule, news, rankings, and more. Come join the WPH on the courts this season. It's the radio cast with hosts Dave Vincent and Dave Fink at WPH5.tv. Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast is live, and we have a, a great guest right now, a dude that uh, is is one of my best friends, Simon Fitzgerald from Australia. What's what's going on right now? In Melbourne, in Australia, we, we just we've just completed the uh, the national four-wheel titles. Um, so I guess the weather starts to change down here now, as it does there. Um, but uh, as you can imagine, it, it changes for the opposite. We start to play a lot of one-wall handball uh, around this time of year. Uh, we, we we're coming into a period where we traditionally held the one-wall nationals and some various state tournaments. Uh, and they usually happen around that sort of October, November into really early December period. Uh, and then we take a bit of a spell through the Christmas period. And then it's really three wall season after that. So it's nice to get back outdoors. You know, you're probably just sort of finishing up that part of uh, part of the year. But it, 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 we really look forward to it. I think in some places, outdoor handball is just year round. So some people just can't even relate to these different seasons. I know in Southern <laughs> California, they play all the time. Are you envious that uh, some of these players are are able to play outdoor year-round, or do you like the individual seasons because it kind of pushes you into the next code? Yes, I'm envious in the fact that I think it could be for the betterment of our game to have that outdoor ease all year-round. I think that keeps more people hitting balls. And I think the overall attraction of playing outdoors, particularly here, and I think likewise in, in places like California and, and New York, is that the availability of people being able to go and use those outdoor courts without having money is quite a lure for our game, and I, and I think that's something that shouldn't be underestimated. Do you think that within the next 20 years, Australia could ever host a world championship again? Oh, that's a really interesting question. In, in the current format they are currently held, David, I'd suggest no is the answer. Um, I know there was some talk at WHC level about separating four wall and one wall, uh, as it currently stands, and, and, and holding them as separate events. If there was to be a separation between the four wall worlds and one wall worlds, then that would be possible and that we would be able to feasibly hold one world world titles. You know, I think if we use Dublin as an example about what they built, there was an awful lot of money and time and effort that went into that. And I'm just not entirely convinced we would have the financial wherewithal to replicate that. I've been to Australia a couple times and I know that you guys can actually pull off the tournament. It's just that financial aspect that makes it very difficult. Tell me how the development of the game is working right now in Australia. Are we on an uprise? The, the event and the, the, you know, the involvement of the big ball game has broadened the opportunity for more people to be able to play that game. Um, even if it's as simple as a primary school, uh, one wall game, it has really opened the eyes to people being able to simply hit a ball against the wall. 
Uh, I think the, the advancement and, and the introduction of those types of big ball tournaments in all facets of our tournaments has really opened the door to novices and beginners to join in and be part of the community. And, and many have stayed, which has been terrific. It's been, it's been a real sort of door opener for us. Um, whether they ever want to change from the big ball game into the small ball game, I'm not really set in stone about whether that's critical. I think the, the, the important thing is just to have people playing and to have the community getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. I absolutely agree with you on that. Your area actually had a lot of handball courts. Now they seem to be more or less used for places for cars to park. What was the transition that made all those courts go away in Australia? A simple real estate. Uh, you know, the, the Christian brothers uh, bought handball to our shores some, call it, century ago uh, and, and commenced building in every school um, throughout the country. The, the simple 60 by 30 handball court, which was once which once appeared on the landscape of any Christian brothers school, now ceases to exist and now they turn that into three or four storey buildings, which they can house so many more students. I think it's the simple evolution of probably independent schools in this country that's really forced them to become sort of far more commercial orientated and hence you know, the use of a handball court doesn't drive any revenue. That was the evolution that we now face. And, and, you know, as recently as sort of three months ago here in Melbourne, our almost our last bastion of the three-wall court was taken from us for that very reason. It seems yeah. like you have prime real estate for almost duplicating exactly what Ireland does. I, I've been to both countries, and I've seen the landscape, and I've met the people, and it just really amazes me that a place like Australia is so good at basketball right now where they've just started playing you know really competitively within the last 20 years and yeah. and handball is a sport where they should be flourishing i mean the the whole country should be playing i know i'm biased on this but it, it just seems like just a prime spot a, a prime place it has the right people it has the right real estate and, but unfortunately it just it isn't necessarily part of the heritage which is unfortunate but that's just the way it is it, it really is unfortunate that's a, that's a really accurate statement I mean look I, I think if we're looking forward as opposed to looking back you know the, the opportunity lies with us in being able to develop simplicity around one wall handball you know, you know I, I think that the propensity to build a three wall court ever again is is probably off some distance uh, whereas a one wall court is far more uh, you know, there's far more ease and, and opportunity to do that. And so there's some of the things we're working on now, particularly with local government bodies about, you know, I mean, you'll see in the, in the general landscape of suburbia here in Melbourne, for instance, that they will, they will build a skateboard park on the back of an idea, whereas surely the idea of building a handball court is equally as simplistic. So they're the sorts of things that we're talking to local government bodies about at this point in time. Even with all of this said, and it sounds like, you know, a major downer as we begin the conversation, uh, with all <laughs> said you and, and your fellow handball players have one of the strongest contingents coming to our world championships our national championships your country to ours and and other countries as well as you travel all around the world to play that must feel pretty special to leave the country and then be alongside some of your fellow handball players right oh, it, it really does i mean it's, it's that sense of camaraderie and you know equally we feel that when we're being hosted by other people um, you know sort of when we when we travel to your country and we travel to ireland and so forth and, and, and into Japan as well you know we certainly feel like we're welcomed with open arms um, so it's always uh, it, it's like going to someone's home where you know you're going to be greeted 
the utmost of respect and, and, and everything will be afforded to you. We certainly feel that when we travel overseas. I, I really don't know. As I said, I've, it's been that way since I started playing the game. So I can only assume that it's because of our sheer size that we have that sense of community. Well, I've been around uh, all of these different sports and I've never seen it uh, in any other sport besides handball. And I, I, I've always, every time I have a chance to ask somebody, I, I try to figure out what they think it is. And I, I love it. It's one of the greatest aspects of, of the sport. Now, you are going to be doing some traveling here in about two weeks. Uh, yes. As you are going to be in Las Vegas at the Three Wall Ball Outdoor World Championships. Uh, what is so special about that tournament? Look, it, 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 it's um, it's a great time to get away. It's, it's a great time to you know, re-engage with people, um, you know, my involvement with the R2 Sports organisation and in particular the R2 Sports app, which has just this week been released in the Google Play Store and, uh, and a new version coming out in the Apple Store this week as well. You know, it's a great opportunity for me to mix a little bit of business and, and an awful lot of pleasure with some dear old friends, of which you're one of them. Um, you know, it's, it's just a great time. As, for, as far as the tournament goes, it's a great array of personalities. You know, it, it, the, the, the handballers, the racquetballers, and, the, and of course there's the paddleballers, the three walls, the one walls. You know, uh, people of all ages. I really enjoy it. You know, I purposefully make sure I play with somebody whom I never play with when I'm playing doubles over there just to meet new people. It's a terrific four or five days. And, you know, hey, let's face it, it's also Las Vegas. So what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's actually a lot that could go wrong, but um, we wouldn't be talking about it because there's always that unwritten rule. Now, you're, uh -huh. you're going to yeah. be there, and also Vic Deluzio, one of the greatest handball players of all time is going to be playing. Is there anybody else besides Vic and yourself from Australia traveling over to Las Vegas to stay at the Stratosphere, or is, is Richard Tomaselli coming down? Yeah, look, Richard, Richard will be there. I spoke with Richard as recently as yesterday, so he'll, he'll be making the journey down. Um, so, so, yeah, look, it's, it's one of those things that, particularly after last year, I came back after my first visit and, and, and spruik to the heavens about how good a time it was and, and how much I think the social aspect, the camaraderie and the opportunity to see the best players in the world. You know, and I, and I really genuinely believe that it's a tournament not too dissimilar to the way culturally Australian tournaments are run. You know, it's a lot of fun. We take ourselves seriously when we cross that line on the court, but then when we walk back, it's about community. It's about having fun. It's about talking and meeting new people. You know, it, it, it's faultless. It really is faultless. And and to the people of the WOR and, and, and guys like yourself who throw so much into it, you should be very proud of what you've achieved in, in what essentially is only seven years. It's remarkable. It really is. I mean, it, and, it, and you're right. It is very similar to going to Australia playing at just any handball tournament that, that you can you can find there because it's about having a lot of fun but also being competitive just make sure that you shake the other person's hand um, yes. after after you lose <laughs> because the similarities between vegas might even be more so uh than you know you said earlier you kind of tipped your hand a little bit you're part of the r2 sports app talk about r2 sports they just launched on on the android devices yeah well that was certainly our intention i mean the, the idea stemmed going back about two years with, with Richard Tomaselli, who we spoke of earlier and myself, um, you know, we came up with an idea that we thought we're on the other side of the world and where we, like others, are avidly interested in what goes on, particularly in pro stops and, and national championships and so forth. Short of being able to go online on our laptops, we really struggled to find out live, up-to-date information. So we designed a, an app idea and, and 
in conjunction with R2 Sports, who have been the mainstay of tournament software for many sports in the last decade. We joined forces with them to build an app, which uh, is really now just starting to come to fruition. Uh, and we've really been fortunate to deal with those guys, and, and we have a subcontract team of developers who have helped build this. Um, look, it's, it's, it's in a really good position now. We've got a great social influence. There's, you know, you can go online and for the simple 35 second experience of watching a video, you can have premium access. You can talk to other people who are either playing, watching at the event or watching from afar, make comments, upload videos, like, uh, you know, it's a real generally socially interactive sort of tool. And at the same time, draw down live information about any tournament anywhere in the world of any sport. So, you know, we're trying to encompass as much as we can um, with a simple interface on people's mobile cellular devices. Um, so, look, you know, still we're, we're really looking forward to people's feedback about what else is possible. Uh, but we, we've come a long way in a really short time and we're really proud of the product and, and we hope that people will really jump on board and, and be able to use it to its fullest and, and get a great deal of uh, enjoyment. The neat thing about it that I like is that you have live streaming that's integrated. You could like the matches and the neat thing that you guys did, I don't know who came up with this concept, was following your favorite player. Uh, you know, I know guys that play racquetball, paddleball and handball, so I followed Brian Pineda who's a racquetball and paddleball guy. I get the pop-up notification, I push the button and it goes right to the page instantly and it's about as fast processing of any app that I've ever seen when it goes from one page to the next. Look, I, and I think probably the, the, the real sort of forward-looking upside to that being able to follow particular players is that we're going to be able to hopefully try and you know, expand that offer, um, allow a whole lot more accessibility for the general fan and colleague uh, as well as be able to help the professionals and, and help people who are being watched. And, and you know, ultimately, I, I guess, probably try and help some of the organisations who are associated with that. And there's a number of racquetball associations, there's yourself, and, and of course, that relates to any sport. So I think, you know, we're sort of hoping to really sort of launch into some discussions in the coming weeks around what else is possible. In so, yeah, look, it's a really exciting time for us, and, and we hope that we feel like, with, with the help of some key people, and you're one of them, David, as you know, about being able to really bring something live to the people, to, to, you know, to help them sort of engage further with their chosen sport. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I really love the direction you guys are going. I think single-handedly the best feature about the app is the guys working behind it because for the first time and it's very similar to the way the sport of handball is in general the organizers the administrators are open to ideas and you guys make changes on the fly so i, I don't know I, I there's some other apps that i like that are in the web store i've emailed these people before when there's like either an error you never hear back from them whether yeah. or not they fix it or not is one thing but you just never hear back with you guys you have a series of uh, questions people ask and then you address it all at one time um so sometimes even quicker than that. And I think it's really neat that you guys are open to new ideas because I know somebody's going to come along and give you a landmark, really cool idea, and you guys are going to try to do it. It's like um, being in any business, David, as you well know, and not listening to your audience is, is traditionally people's downfall. I mean, I think the best ideas have, are yet to be put to us. Um, so, we, we, you know, we have to have an open-door policy. We have to listen to what people are coming up with. 
because uh, they're the audience and, and that's the marketplace. So, you know, we're really looking forward, you know, I'm looking forward to those four or five days in Vegas, people using the app, coming to me with different ideas. I'm going to be walking around, the, you know, the, the, the car park at the Stratosphere, you know, all weekend, just trying to sort of talk to people and see what they think, see what we think we're doing well, see what are the things that we've missed, you know, because there is going to be that and what other ideas people, you know, what else is possible. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, there's some really cool innovations out there that I'm sure that you guys can tap into. What they are, I don't yeah. know, because it's it, this world changes so quickly. Those that are listening right now, please go to R2 sports.com and if you're on the internet and just review it look over the app find out as much information as you want it's immediate as soon as you go onto the website or just open up your phone go download the app on the app store through apple or google plays android device you know it's not hard to learn it i mean there's a lot of features to it but it's not it's not too difficult in fact it's sort of like one of those draw by numbers type apps where you're kind of being guided along as you get a little bit more proficient the app tells you where you you need to go and you kind of are guided in the right direction really is the quickest learning curve of any app I've ever been on. So um, again, there's another big congrats out on that because I know, you know, making it user friendly is like your number one concern. Yeah, look, it, it really is. And, and, and to that end, when people who are coming to Las Vegas in a couple of weeks to play at the three world ball tournament, the stratosphere, uh, in your gift bag will be a simple brochure about how to use our two sports in its simplest form. Uh, and it's something that we'll have available electronically by, the, by different websites and Facebook pages etc in the coming week or so as well just to try and really simplify how do I find out the most basic of information and then it becomes a journey of experience from there so yeah so we're working on that so so when people come to Vegas there'll be some really simple sort of how-to um, brochures which will be made available to everybody I really do appreciate the fact that you uh first of all, called us today so we can talk a little bit about Australian handball and then this new app, plus the fact that you're going to be in Vegas and you're there to answer questions. And really the whole trip, other than, you know, maybe hitting the ball a couple times, you are you're going to go and answer questions about the app if people have it. You're going to guide people through it if they need help. And there's also, like you said, that little brochure that's going to be in everybody's gift bag explaining yep. how to use the app. I want to thank you for calling in, and I can't wait to see you in a couple weeks, man. I'm looking forward to it, brother. Simon Fitzgerald from Australia on the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Cast. We'll have more coming up right around the corner. Stick with us. Evil will wait not a second longer. How would you like it if I called your wife live from my show tomorrow? Texting really gives you some, like, cojones. you love my never over sharing. I'll be the judge of that. Join Dave Vick with partner Dave Vincent. Yo, what's up? What's up, fool? For this edition of the Sports Radio Cast. I might like that. Now on TuneIn Radio. Join Three Wall Ball, World Players of Handball, World Outdoor Racquetball, the National Paddleball Association, and host Stratosphere Hotel Tower Casino. September 21st through the 25th for the biggest combined court sport event ever held. The Three Wall Ball Outdoor World Championships will combine the very best skilled, juniors, age division, amateurs, pros, women, singles, and doubles players in racquetball, handball, and paddleball, all at one venue, all to air live on ESPN and the Watch ESPN app. Visit 3wallball.com for more details about prize money, daily schedule of events, entry fees, and amazing hotel discounts at the Stratosphere in Las Vegas. We will see you this September in Sin City. You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave. 
Welcome back to episode number nine as we continue the sports handball radio cast here on WPH Live Radio. My name is Dave alongside Dave Fink and The Dish. Trisha, Dave, we have the pre-race event, the Washington Athletic Club, Seattle, Washington, coming up this weekend. It's on basically now. Mm -hmm. And a couple big name guys there. This has become kind of a tradition now in Washington, right? Yeah, four big name guys. And I could really see any of those four winning this title. It's a big title to kick off your season. We saw what it did for Sean Lenning last year, Dave, winning that title against Emmett Pichot. Sean went on to win one title in the next season. He was in three finals. He really turned his race career around last year, rose up to number two, finished the year at number two. And you have to think he's a favorite going into this season to be one of those guys still standing at the very end with that number one ranking. Is Sean and some of those other players going to play in Vegas as well? This could, if, if they were to do that, it would be a pretty big schedule for them because most of those guys that you're talking about went to Toledo. Right. They had to go, at least two of them, or or so I would assume, would then have to go to Washington and then go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty rough to do, isn't it? But that's kind of what these guys are used to doing. I was thinking about this, Dave. Sean Lenning has probably played in 140 tournaments in the last 10 years. I mean, I'm just guessing. That's probably a conservative estimate. He's probably playing in at least an average of one tournament a month, some months two, maybe three. So this is kind of what he's used to doing. I mean, this tournament here is September 10th. Vegas is September would be 22nd. And then the U.S. Open October 24th. I don't think that's too much for him. And he's used to playing all different codes. And so I, I think it kind of helps to keep him sharp. It's also in his hometown. Right. Do you know any list of festivities that Brian... Henson and, and Randy Moltak and that whole crew up there having in-store Al Vinson. Well, they set up our four guys in the WAC, the Washington Athletic Club. Beautiful rooms there, of course. They're going to hang out there downtown Seattle. Saturday is going to be all handball. They kick it off at the semifinals at around noon. Sean is going to play Luis Cordova. Emmett will play Mondo. The winners of those matches will face off for the title. The guys who lost will play for third later in the night. In between the semifinals and the finals and third place match, a big clinic. Juniors, collegiate players, Whack members. It's going to be great. That's a nice little tune-up right yeah. there. And having those guys all in one place, you know, I think it does help out a little bit getting mm -hmm. back into the race for eight because right. now U.S. Open is not very far away either. Right. That's another we're, – we're in September, so it's in late October. We're like 40 days away from yeah. the U.S. Open. Time think, to think about that too. Good to get that kind of pro-level exposure in a tournament, you know, and then you still have that month to – to keep prepping for that big one, the U.S. Open. I know that you had talks with Tanisha Grooms. You put on your sports writer hat mm -hmm. and were able to sit down with her with a nice uh, conversation, a quaint conversation. She's very introspective, I, I guess, right? Yeah. She really has a lot to say about what goes on in her feelings and and where her head is at when she competes. What, what, what did you gather from her? Well, you know, she keeps it close to the vest. Even when you see her, she's very friendly, but she doesn't disclose a lot. But I thought that interview kind of revealed a lot of, of how she thinks, how she goes about her, her practicing, how diligent she is, and then what's going through her mind in these closed matches. Because like I said in the, in the article a couple of times, she's come back from match point down seven times in 16 events to win matches. That's twice as many as any other player on the Race Freight or WPH Outdoor Tour. So clearly she has something in her mind. She said that Tracy told me you just play every point. Don't worry about the score, and you just keep playing as hard as you can until the ref calls game. And that's what she does. It's a good lesson, I think, for everybody. But Tanisha's very exciting to watch because not only does she make these comebacks, but she just has this go-for-broke kind of gunslinger mentality where she's going for her shots, doesn't matter what the score is. 
She goes for her deep court kills with her right. She has those amazing serves. She hits the line on the serves and... Uh, you know, she's she's fearless out there. It's fun to watch. Now, she's obviously one of the favorites to win her divisions. doesn't matter what she plays. It, does, it, it doesn't seem. I mean, she of course, she would love to have a one-wall title. That right. would uh, certainly be something that I think that she'd dig down deep for. But she is a favorite. Who are some of the other favorites off the top of your head? I know we haven't hit the entry deadline at this moment for Vegas, which is loosely September 16th. I think they're going to allow that to go to September 19th. But uh, right now, as you look at it, you know, Juan Santos in big ball singles. Obviously, he's won, what, three years in a row. Um, not sure if Samson Hernandez is going to make it this year. And mm. rumor is that he might not be in the event, even though his name is oh, okay. in the in the bracket. So he's a favorite. But Timothy Gonzalez playing three wall uh, has done really well in the last couple of years. Are these courts conducive to his style? Do you think that he should do better there? Uh, I, I haven't seen him really erupt in, in this Vegas setting, even though he did win earlier in May on the same courts. Well, I think you said it. I mean, it's the same exact court. So you know he's comfortable on these courts. He beat Juan Santos on this exact court. Obviously, this court that he beat Santos on was in the back of the stratosphere. But the same dimensions, the same walls, everything's the same. So he's proven that he can beat all the best guys. He also beat Shorty Ruiz out there on those courts. He's beat Shorty and Ricky Ruiz on those courts. He's beat Boxer, Chris Tohan, Flash. So he's proven he can beat all these guys. Last year, he just looked sort of out of sorts, Dave, in Vegas, where he lost badly in the quarterfinals. Uh, but certainly, Timbo is a favorite. But he's going to be playing probably four divisions. That's pretty tough out there. And I just looked at the weather, Dave. It'll be about 95 to 98 during the day. And if you're playing four divisions, that's up to six, maybe eight matches in one day. What do you have left at the end of the day if now you're looking at a semifinal match as your sixth or seventh match of the day in the sun? That's tough. And, and you know... You can say, well, I, I would have played better had I not. Well, you did enter four divisions, though. So you have to throw that excuse out before you even touch down in Vegas because that was your choice. So yeah. if, you know, if Timbo is able to, to kind of withstand that that sun, which I don't know how he'll pre prepare for that because he's in New York City where it's a totally different kind of heat. Now they're coming into the fall where the, the temperatures are dropping into the 70s. Now he's going to be just shocked. His system will be shocked in this 100-degree dry heat. And if you're not used to it, Dave, and you and I are, because we live in Tucson, but you come from the East Coast where you're used to humidity and now these fall temperatures and now all of a sudden 100 degrees dry, can't breathe. But can't wouldn't you anything. say that the playing feels pretty equal for everybody, though? You can't breathe, but your opponent can't either? Well, if you're playing somebody that's more accustomed to those conditions, they're going to have an advantage, certainly. I don't know who has, who's been accustomed to those conditions. I mean, it's really rough out there. You know, you... Yeah. You just try to breathe out there. Everything that has liquid on it is pretty much gone. And if you need that for viscosity, it just doesn't work out well. But I think Timothy plays this sort of style of game where he's running back and forth. He wants to run around. That, yeah. And that's where I think Vegas hurts him uh, in particular. But playing all of those events is really tough. And, it, yeah. you know, Trish, it pays to be young. I mean, I remember when you're young, you can do things like that. I haven't done eight things in one day in my entire life. <laughs> he's doing it in 110 degrees on that surface out there sometimes it's even warmer than that well i can remember playing in the first vegas event in 2010 and i couldn't breathe and i i felt like i couldn't get enough water in me but now living in tucson it doesn't bother me at all i can be outside all day so that's what kind of what i was talking about but i don't know that any of these top players or favorites 
live in this kind of condition. Yeah, it's you know. the dry and the uh, moist air uh, difference. Yeah. You know, it's not so much the 100 degrees because, like Dave said, DV said, um, and no one can handle 100 degree hot yeah, weather it's, it's in the not desert. Normal. It's yeah, not normal. especially in Vegas. But what you do know is that Timbo's been there every single year. Right. Mm-hmm. So he does know what he has to do. And it's not like he's a yeah, dummy. Yeah, that's true. He gets there on the 19th, which is about four days before the tournament. So that'll give him some good time to acclimate, which, you know, is going to help him a lot. Rookie Wright, Dave, is going to be playing with his partner, who, Dave, I know you know very well. They dominated the scene for about 10 years before his partner retired about five years ago. They're going to come back and try and reclaim that number one double spot. Timbo Gonzalez will be in there, as well as Taiwan Cook. Those guys will all be favorites, and that's kind of become the highlight event of Vegas every year. I know we watch it perched up there in our broadcast booth and just kind of can't wait for it. It's very exciting. You know, there's been a lot of names pop out. Carlin Rosa, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of of course, you you mentioned Ricky's doubles partner, Enrique Enrique Santiago. Uh, There might very well be the best doubles big ball, one wall team of all time. So they're going to be there. Uh, Taiwan Cook is there. Uh, Chris Show, Gio uh, Vasquez just uh, joined yesterday, so he's oh, really? in. Wow. Pee Wee Castro contacted me this morning, and he's uh, entering today. So we know Pee Wee's going to be there. This yeah. is going to be—it's going to be a lot bigger than you think. And I know that there's going to be some crossover from the the big ball uh, guys that you see in Southern California are also coming over. I know Shorty is going to be playing, I, that. I believe, with Timbo yeah. in in one wall doubles. Right. That's going to be interesting. And to they see haven't the lost this year in one wall doubles. They yeah. won the X Fest, and they also won at Downey Park. So they come in with a lot of confidence, but be a little different playing field here in the one wall in Vegas. I mean, you're talking about playing very good players at the X-Fest and Downey. Now you're talking about playing the absolute very best. Taiwan Cook playing one wall doubles, Dave, is just amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, his reflexes and his speed and his lateral movement, I mean, and the shots, I I just watch him. I can't believe it. Incredible. Yeah, there's going to be some really big names that are playing here uh, this year, and we just really can't wait. I think Wally Amaro is coming as well. And so there there we have another great player that's going to be showing up and uh, Dave, it's going to be exciting. You can still get in, and even if you're a fan and you're just going to come and watch, make sure to enter as a non-player. You won't be playing in the tournament, but you'll be treated like you are, so you're going to get all of the daily food coupons and, and drinks. And uh, Trish, you went to Vegas one year? Yeah. Now, you get in those gift bags, they give you gaming coupons from the Stratosphere, tokens. So, you know, you get like a little credit card, you go in there and put it in the machine, you get free polls. You can actually make money off of that, which is cool too. And all of that, uh, all of the perks of being in that tournament, if you want to be a non-player, come as a spectator, it's fairly inexpensive. Uh, you could get your entry in before the 16th, and I think, you know, they're going to extend it until the 19th. It's on r2sports.com. You heard Simon Fitzgerald talk about that R2 Sports app just a few minutes ago. You can download that and enter right on your your smartphone or your smart device which is pretty cool and that'll be at the stratosphere hotel in las vegas the hotel is also projected to be cut off right at that entry deadline of the 16th if not sooner they're already right at 90 percent full which means they will sell out so use the co- the coupon code or the code number that is uh, presented at r2sports.com under the tab for hotel and book your room as a handball player even if you're going there as a spectator you want to get that reduced entry uh, for that hotel fee, so that, that that's going to be really cool. This is September 21st through the 25th, and they just announced their dates for 2017, which is September 20th through the 24th mm. of 2017, right at the Stratosphere. That's an announcement that's being made public right now during the live broadcast here. 
And Dave, I know that you love this. You've timed how long it takes you to get from your room to the courts just under 90 seconds, I think, on average. So you can't be any closer to your to the court from your room. I mean, there's no tournament, I don't think, where you can stay closer. So that's cool. And the rooms are beautiful. Amazing yeah, I rooms. like that aspect where the courts are right across the hotel. And then, you know, all the amenities of Vegas was just down the street, you know. Now, I I would have made it there a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe broke the 72nd mark. But mm-hmm. there was a lady offering me a yo-yo on the oh, way through. Yeah. So. I know you love to walk the dog. I, I do, actually. Yeah. yeah. Climb the ladder, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't. Guys, that wraps up our show for the day. I know we have a lot of things to work on between now and Las Vegas when it is going to get totally exciting at the Stratosphere Hotel Tower Casino September 21st through the 25th. And it's going to be a collection of really literally the best handball players on our planet in one setting. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. Completely agree. Can't wait. Yeah. Going to be be fun. fun. Yep. Okay, guys. Thanks for the show. Episode 9 in the books. We'll have another episode coming up next week. Stick around. It's the Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast with Trish the Dish. You have a good one. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's always nice being had. The Dave and Dave Sports Radio Cast gives you unique player interviews, select birthdays, news, and more as they highlight upcoming events. Get more at WPHlive.tv.